Ebenezer, I'm glad I'm sitting next to you. <laughs> um, those of you online, God bless you for joining us. We're going to continue straight into what I was teaching last week. I want to um, continue. Unfortunately, I haven't sent out the notes, so um, you'll get the notes afterwards, so you're going to have to write, all right? Um, we're going to talk about honoring the Lord within the context of financial prosperity, honoring the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for today. We want to thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Father, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation concerning your word that through what we hear, we'll be transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. So the New Living Translation reads it something like this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of, your, of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Barns and vats are natural, but there are spiritual connotations to them. So spiritually, your, ba- your barns speaks of your natural resources, that is your wealth, your finances, your possessions, and so forth. And your vats speaks of our spiritual, or your spiritual reservoir, the anointing, the gifts, the graces, and virtues that God gives to us to enrich our lives before him and others. And this verse really is teaching us how we honor God with our wealth has a reflection on how he blesses and empowers every aspect of our life. And I want to really talk about honoring God, how we honor God. And it's not just about money, but how you honor God with your life. Many believers expect much from God but see little or do not realize that what they do with their life has an impact on how God blesses their life. Now, scripturally, when we get born again, according to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, God blesses us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So by virtue of being born again, we are already blessed. But experientially, many believers rarely live a life that expresses that reality of them being blessed. And there are reasons for that. There are reasons for that. And uh, not just when it comes to our resource, our finance, but when it comes to every aspect of our lives, What we do and how we relate to God has a direct bearing on how our lives are enriched. Now, when we talk about prosperity, like I've already said, we're not talking about being rich. There is a huge difference between being rich and being prosperous. A person can be rich and yet be poor. The scripture says the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. So you can have a lot of wealth and resources, but your life is empty. And at the same time, you may not have that much, but you live a very prosperous life. 
the Bible talks about Joseph when he was a slave that the Lord blessed and prospered him and made him very successful. As a slave, God prospered him and made him very successful. Even though Joseph did not, was not able to have a say on the outcome of his life because somebody else owned him, yet the Bible said he was very successful and he was prosperous. So when we talk about prosperity and when we talk about success, it is crucial that we see it from God's perspective. Can you say amen? So prosperity really is a condition of being, uh, when I talk about financial prosperity, is in the condition of being economically empowered to fulfill the will of God for your life without being constrained by finances or financial obligations. So whatever it is that God calls you to, money is not an issue for you to accomplish his will for your life. And so when you understand it within that context, the key thing is learning to identify the will of God concerning your life. All right, I don't really want to go into that too much because there's a lot to say about honoring the Lord. Let me say again, many believers have expectations and end up disappointed. They expect God to do this and that. They expect God to bless their life, bless their children, bless their marriage, bless this, bless that. And at times, believers don't like to face the consequences of their actions. The fact that there are things that we do or do not do that impact areas of our lives that we really didn't think really mattered. I'll never forget this example. It's going to be money, but this example of uh, two couples who were courting. And during their courtship, they had a great courtship, and then they got married. After they got married, some of you have heard me tell the story before. After they got married, the wife developed epilepsy, um, grandma epilepsy, where she would, she would have seizures. They went to the doctors, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't really find out what was going on with her. And then they went for ministry, and uh, when they went for like, deliverance ministry, through the word of knowledge, the guy who was ministering to them discerned that that thing had come into their lives because during the courtship they had anticipated the marriage bed. In other words, they slept together. And it opened the door for that thing to come in. Now, I'm not saying to you that epilepsy is a result of that. Neither am I saying to you that if you did that during your courtship, you're going to have that. I'm not saying that. I'm just giving you an example of a specific situation. So once, they, once when, when he shared the revelation to them, they, they said it's true, and then they acknowledged this and repented, and he prayed and broke the thing and cast the spirit out. She was completely healed, and he never returned again. But if you looked at it on the surface, there, is, there would be no correlation between the two. That's the point. And certainly in my dealings in ministry over the years, I tend to find sometimes people will bring one situation to me, but the Holy Spirit will open something else which seems apparently not related, but they're related. So all I'm trying to emphasize is the point that there is, there are things that we do that have an impact on our lives. And it includes what we do that will affect our natural life as well as our spiritual life and how we are blessed and how we fulfill God's purposes for our lives. And one of the most important factors, which I'm going to emphasize, is how we honor 
the Lord. In fact, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, the scripture says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he reap. That will he also reap. Whatever a man or a woman sows, whatever we sow, we reap. We may not realize what we are reaping is a result of something we've sown, but rest assured, your life as it stands right now, it is the sum product of or sum total of something you have sown, which you are currently reaping. And there are actions that you're doing right now that is causing you to sow into your future, whether you realize it or not. Okay, so another example I want to give concerning this, and specifically when it comes to wealth, is in Haggai's day. In Haggai's day, Haggai chapter 1, many of you have heard me taught, teach this several times. Haggai chapter 1 from verse 11, this is what the Lord says through the prophet to his people. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because, because of my house. That is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. Ten, therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew and the earth withholds its fruit. For I, says the Lord, called for a drought on the land and on the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. Now this is God dealing with his people. And he says to them, you, my people, you were expecting a lot of things. You were expecting a lot of great things to happen. You went, you worked, you worked, you worked, you worked. But then when you looked for outcomes, it was very little. The outcome did not reflect the input. And he said, even what you brought home, when it came home, you then found that it disappeared. Like, like maybe you're working, 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 and then some fat check comes in and you're really happy. And then as that fat check comes into the account, some fatter bill comes in and swallows up. That's like, ah, how did you manage to crash the car? How did you, you've been driving this car for the last 10 years and uh, nothing's happened. Now that we've got 15 grand, you've gone and crashed the car into our own house. How did that happen? Oh, honey, I fell asleep. I fell asleep on the wheel as I was parking the car. Disaster. Now, it's crazy, but some of these crazy, personally as a pastor, I've been doing it for a while, um, I've seen it happen to people. And what really makes me really sad is that people don't like to be told, actually, the reason is because of that. It's like, how can you say such a horrible thing? So we just tend to keep our mouth shut sometimes. Let's move on quickly. So the point is, God says, you looked for much, but indeed it came to little. I wonder what you are looking for right now in your life. You know, as we are praying as a church, as we've been praying every day, we've been praying into area of finance and stuff like that. And as I pray for some people, some people, I, I get a real sense that things are happening for them. But some people, as I pray for them, I get a real sense in my spirit, uh-uh. Nothing is going to happen for this person until they deal with this issue. And that's just how it is. Please don't come after church and ask me, am I one of them? Don't, please don't. Because I might say yes. Don't, don't come, don't come, I beg. 
The point, I want to emphasize this point, that whatever your expectations are from God, whether it's to do with your natural life, or whether it's to do with spiritually, whatever it is, how are you honoring God with your life? I'm not talking about where you tick boxes. So some people, because they tithe to a church, they think they've done their bit. It's good you tithed, but that doesn't necessarily mean you are truly honoring the Lord, especially if that was not an act of faith, but an act of legalism. If you tithe, it must be in faith. If you don't tithe, it must be in faith. Whatever you do, it must be in faith. Can you say amen? It's like doing the ministerial training course. It must be in faith. Not because Pastor Joe said, <laughs> no, that Jack is my man. Anyway, hallelujah. let's move on quickly. So, what does it mean to honor the Lord? What does it mean to honor the Lord? The word honor there um, has several meanings to it. But I want to break it down in, in three things, which really, when you look it up in a dictionary, they also correlate. First of all, when you honor the Lord, you demonstrate high respect and great esteem for him. So you, you place God above everyone else. You have high respect for him. You really regard God. Second thing is when you, when you um, respect God, in fact, you, you really esteem him. Second thing is you, you regard him. In other words, you consider him. You consider everything he has to say when you honor God. So you place him high, you esteem him high, you place the highest value on him, but then you consider him. You consider him in everything you have to do. And then the third thing is, you fulfill or keep your obligations to him. You fulfill or keep your obligations to him. When you are honoring God, it's not a fuzzy thing. Say, you know, as for me and God, you know, you know, God's my best friend. God's my best friend. You know, I, I really love God. But when it comes to how you forgive your brother or forgive your sister, it depends on how you're feeling. That means you're not really honoring God. Because how you honor God will reflect on how you love people. Can you say Amen. Or, you know, you ask for me, I really love God. I, I, I really, I really, really follow God. But you don't keep to your word. Your word is no good. We can't depend on your word. Pastor Joe, when you speak, we, we have to dodge. We can't depend on your word. Brother so-and-so, you know, if you say you're coming, we know you are going. We can't depend on your word. <laughs> Anyone who honors God will prioritize God's will above their own and will choose to honor him. Honoring God often involves intentional choices because at times you will want to do something contrary to what God wants. We cannot claim to honor him and then intentionally go against his will that has been revealed to us. Now, there are things that we will do that we didn't realize it was wrong at the time. And we are still honoring God. We did it in sincerity. But the moment you know something is wrong, 
and you choose to still do it, you are dishonoring God. The more we honor God in any area of our lives, the more we see his glory in that area. Now, when I say his glory, I am talking about Christ being revealed. At times, people measure glory simply on outcomes. No, the outcome must reflect Christ. Because drug dealers are rich. Uh, politicians, crooked ones, they are rich. Crooked, there are a lot of crooked pastors who are rich, who mix the Bible, and their churches grow, and the people love to have it so. You know, the pastor can, can say and do anything as long as he preaches well and the music is nice and the atmosphere is great. It doesn't really matter how the guy is living his life. That's how some of us are. And so everybody says, well, that church is really a successful church, is doing so well. But how does God view the thing? Even our church, how does God view this? You know, how does God view what we are doing? So the point is, the more we honor him, the more his son will be revealed in our given context. Whether it's with the little money we have or whether it's with the riches that we have. Whether it's with the little people we have or whether it's with the company of crowds that we have. Whether it's with a great influence or a platform we have or whether it's with a small platform. The more we honor God, the more we will see his son in that area of our lives. And it's the more we honor God, the more surrendered to him we become in that area. So when we talk about wealth and finance, the more we honor God with our wealth and our finances, the more we will see his son revealed in us and through us in the area of our finance. That's how it works. Now, when you study the scriptures, you find out that actually God's heart concerning this church is to really prosper them with abundance. It's really shocking, both in the new and in the old. And the interesting thing is that the, old te- the New Testament, the majority of the church was full of poor people, contrary to what most people think. The majority of the church was full of poor people. The one church that was quite wealthy, which we know, the Laodicean church, Jesus really wanted to vomit it out. In fact, he threatened the pastor that if you don't repent, when I come, I'm going to reject you. Now, that church was very wealthy. That church had money. That church had influence. That church had um, powerful people in it. And the pastor used to brag about it. When you read Revelation 3, the pastor who used to say, we are rich, we are this, we are that, we are that. And Jesus said, you don't even know how poor you people are. You're blind, you are naked. The pastor said, you know, know, we're well dressed. You know, when you come to our church, there's no one coming here on shorts or anything like that. It's like proper, you know, none of this jive. It's proper suit. You know, we believe in the the decorum and, um, you know, polish and all that stuff. And Jesus said, you guys are miserable, you guys are blind, you guys are naked, and you're really poor. Yeah, that was what he said to a mega church called Laodicea. The point is, is that nonetheless, you see in the Bible that God wants to bless his church with wealth for the purposes of his kingdom. 
but there is a big problem. God will not give the wealth of the wicked to an unrighteous and an ungodly church or to a church that dishonors his name with their wealth. In Proverbs 13, 22, he says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. So Christians like to quote this, the wealth of the wicked, the wealth of the sinner is stored for me, is stored for me, is stored for my children. But you yourself, you are just as bad as that sinner in how you handle the little you already have. The little you already have, you are a thief. You are unrighteous in it. And you think God is going to give some sinner who's toiled wealth to you to increase your foolishness? It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Look, I'm talking about financial prosperity. There's too much fancy, fantasy around this subject. You know, uh, if, I, if I, I, I am convinced, well, I'm not so sure about this church, but I'm convinced that if, if I was to teach it in a way that appealed to the greed of people, you will see how people will start giving. In fact, I wanted to take, receive the offering before I started teaching because I didn't really, because after I finished, you might, you might empty everything. And I, it's, that's not the point. The point, I, that's a joke, by the way, the way you're looking at me so serious. Um, the, the, the issue that I'm really concerned with is how we honor God with our lives. Joseph, how are you honoring God with your life? In your secret history. How do you honor God with your life? My brother, my sister, when no one is watching. How do you honor God? And how you honor him with your wealth reflects on how you actually honor God. They are, there is a correlation. When the Lord glorifies his church, there are natural byproducts as well as, well as spiritual blessings. For instance, Isaiah 60, we've been praying into this from verse 5 and 6, talking about the glorious church. He says, then you shall see and become radiant. When God begins to pour his blessing and his glory, he says, you shall see and become radiant. And your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land. Now, camels in their day was like luxury cars in ours. Hallelujah. Can you imagine luxury cars? You know, anyway, whatever. Um, shall cover your land. Dromedaries of Midian and Ephath. That's a lot of camels. And all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense. They shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. So they bring their money and they bring their prayers gold and incense. They bring their spirituality and they bring their natural resources. So this church is happening, it's happening. But God ain't gonna do that for any church. Now the devil, by the way, he's very happy to help you to do well if you're willing to compromise. He doesn't mind that. But God is not gonna give, bring that kind of stuff to a church that is full of selfishness, that is unrighteous in how it handles his wealth. And other examples you find in scripture how the Bible in, um, speaks about the righteous man and how he's blessed and now wealth and riches are in his house. His descendants are blessed forever. That's God's heart for his people. But God is not going to cause that to happen to a people who are selfish and self-centered and honor themselves above him. It ain't gonna happen. 
And that's why I believe, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why many of God's people lack, because he can't trust them with much. Sometimes when people have little, they make all these claims of what they're going to do for God. And, but when they have a lot, then you see their true nature. Because what money does is it amplifies a person's character. What's really there will come out. If you are irresponsible with small, you'll be irresponsible with a lot. And that's why at times God does not give a lot of people a lot because they just cannot handle it. It's as simple as that. And that's why God does not allow a lot of his people to have access to riches. He will release it to a church who honors him with their wealth. He will release it to a people who honors him with their substance. And he said, honor the Lord with the very best of your wealth. The best of your wealth. Not your leftovers. The best of your wealth. Amen. All right, let me share a few things. What happens when we honor the Lord? I've already alluded to it, but let me just go through it quickly. One, he honors us back. When you honor him, he honors you back. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. This is a word that he was given to Samuel. You know, God had called Samuel's house to be a priest before him forever. But Samuel's sons, Hophni and Phineas, Hophni, Hophni and Phoenix. I'm sorry? Phoenix. <laughs> had, um, had really dishonored the priesthood. They were really terrible people, terrible men. They were sleeping with the sisters. First of all, sisters, why would you allow someone to sleep with you in church? I mean, seriously, come on. And he's a pastor as well. So that's what was happening. In church, if you're going to do that, don't do it in church, man. They were doing it in church. It's in the Bible. And then on top of it, they were just taking the offerings. Like, you know, the counting team are counting and I enter the office. What's going on here? Let me check. Come on, just put my hand in the offering and just take. Oh, Joe, Pastor Joe, what are you doing? Shut up! What do you mean? In fact, let me, this is, I want the 50, 50, 50 pounds. There's too much standing orders. Tell them to do cash, cash. They were doing that kind of stuff. And it's in that context that God says, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed to your house and the house of your fathers, and the house of your father, walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, Far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Now, those of you that were there on Friday talking about gifts and callings, we talked about the things that can undermine your call. This is one of them. They dishonored the call and they were, they were therefore rejected. This was a word to Eli, who was a righteous priest, but he didn't deal properly. He dishonored God by preferring his sons above God. Beloved, no matter who you love, do not put them above God. Can you say amen? So the benefits of honoring the Lord is one, he will honor those who honor him. He honors us back. He says, those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Will be lightly esteemed by him. I want God to honor me. What about you? 
I want God to consider my life as a life worthy of note before his throne. That is the ambition that we should have. I want God to be pleased with how I handle my wealth and how I handle my influence, how I handle my time, how I handle my temple, how I handle my family, how I handle my children. I want him to, I want him to feel like I'm honoring him in that. What about you? Say to your neighbor, that is my desire as well. Yeah. Decree and declare. Secondly, the benefits of honoring the Lord, we've already touched on it, your bounds are filled with plenty. In other words, naturally speaking, you will not lack. You will not lack. Say to your neighbor, I will not lack. You will not lack. Your bounds will be filled with plenty. In fact, God will ensure that whatever you need, you have more than what you need. More than what you need. Your bonds will be filled with plenty. Thirdly, your vats will overflow with new wine. In other words, spiritually, you will always be under an open heaven. Your life will not be dry. Your spirit will always be fresh. You know, the, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. They shall bring forth fruit. They shall be fresh and flourishing, even in their old age. Even in a, I am, I am believing God that when I'm 85, strong, I am preaching strong, ministering strong. And then when the time comes, I say to the church, tomorrow I'm going to die. So let's just say one more hallelujah. And then I go home. I call the fire. I say to Daniel and his children and all them, uh, guys, uh, uh, tomorrow is the day. That, that great day is coming. So now I finished. Now you guys take on for the next generation. And then I die. Or maybe I go and do something, then they kill me, then I'm dead. Either way, so I, I add a bit more glory to the thing. You know, I go and say something like, go to gay pride and say maybe something that, Jesus, and then die some matter. maybe, I don't know. I know, then, then I knew I was gonna die today anyway, so let's go out some special way. Hallelujah. Hey, he said, teach us to number our days that we may apply us to wisdom. I want to know the day. Then when it's coming, I'm ready. Anyway, so, <laughs> our vats overflow with new wine. Fresh. Your life is always fresh when you are honoring the Lord. When you are honoring the Lord. And then the fourth thing is, we sow into our future when we honor the Lord. We sow into our future. He says, we've already quoted um, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. He who sows um, to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Um, no, that's Galatians 6, 7. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. He who sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. You sow into your future. You sow into your future. When you honor God, you are investing in your future. And the Bible teaches this as a principle that when you lend to the Lord, when you, you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord. And in fact, one of the Psalms shows us the blessings of those who seek to honor the poor, help the poor. That's one of the ways in which you give to God, by helping the poor. The poor are those who cannot help themselves with their natural 
um, needs, their natural resources. All right, you certainly feel. And then the fifth point when you honor the Lord is this you secure for yourselves a reward in eternity. That is a very interesting one. And our Lord Jesus is very, very clear about this. Luke chapter 16, verse 9. He says, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. In other words, use money in such a way that when you die, what you've done will put you in good standing before God. So this is some of the benefits of how you honor the of honoring the Lord. Now, how do we actually honor God with our wealth? First and foremost, by stewarding our finances wisely according to biblical principles. By stewarding your finances wisely. If you have a lot of wealth and resource, there is no glory to God by being irresponsible with it. Whatever God gives us, he expects us to handle it wisely. Like sometimes um, you may have a lot of money or some resource comes your way. It doesn't mean you should give it to the church. Ooh. I I expected to hear some amens. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You didn't say anything either. So it doesn't mean you give it to Sometimes that's not what it's for. Sometimes I remember there was one lady who had some inheritance a lovely house, it's something. And then one day they asked me a question. Should they gift it to the church or, or not? And I said, absolutely not. Use that so that you can do the work of God. They had um, some investment, they'd been left some inheritance. I said, yeah, pay your tithe and stuff, but use that in such a way that you can be free to do God's work. And so that's what they were doing. They were doing that before, but they were checking if it was a good thing. I said, that's absolutely the way. Now, if the Holy Spirit tells you to do it, then that's a different issue. But it's called wise stewardship. Also, look after your family. Are you listening? The Bible says that if any man does not look after his own, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So God expects us, when he blesses us with resources, to be able to make sure that we're looking after our family properly. Wow, only Lady um, Charlotte said amen. Say to your neighbor, he's talking to you. Yeah. Now look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. This is part of wise stewardship. He said, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now, look, I touched on this last week. He said to Timothy, command the rich, those who have a lot of money, to use their money in a certain way. Steward it wisely with eternity in mind. Second point from this verse, learn to be generous. Learn to have a generous spirit. Learn to be generous because when you are generous, you are honoring God by being generous. But being generous doesn't mean being irresponsible. So, for instance, I say to people, when, you, when God gives you Money you didn't expect. You should, I believe in tithing. So you should honor God with the tithe. But also, 
Honor God by saving. Also, honor God by blessing your children, blessing your family. Also, honor God by using that to help maybe other people and to also honor God by making sure that your bills are paid for. <laughs> because there is no honor to God when you can't pay your bills, especially if you owed me money. I want my money. So honor God and give me my money that you owe me. But be generous. Third point, we honor God by giving back to him. We honor God by giving back to him. Now, the first two, you can do it and give back to him. But I want to specify there is a difference between giving directly to God and giving to others for his glory. So I can bless, uh, let's say, what, what was that charity? Um, the Heart Foundation. It's a good charity to help. But I've been giving to God. I gave it to the Heart Foundation. I'm not even sure they believe in God. But they're doing a good work. I can bless cancer research. But I've been giving to God. You're not poor. Uh, um, it's helping cancer. But now, the Bible teaches us how we give to God. So if the Bible talks about giving to the poor, I've already touched on that. In Proverbs 19, 17, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord and he will pay back what he has given. So when you look to help the poor, in other words, people who can't give back to you, people who will not benefit. And the poor, by the way, is not your uncle somewhere who... Um, was irresponsible per se, and now is telling you, give me your money. No, the poor are people who cannot look, it might be your uncle, by the way, who cannot, cannot look after themselves anymore because your circumstances mean they can no longer have a roof over their head, they can no longer put clothing, they can no longer feed themselves or their children. They are destitute. That's what the Bible calls the poor. Western poor is not the same as West African poor. You're laughing. I'm telling you, Western poor in West Africa is, Western, is West African middle class in some places. Western poor, they still have their mobiles, they still have their Sky TV. Western poor, they still eat three, four meals a day, five meals a day. Western poor, they still have free health care. Western poor, I'm not saying every poor person, somebody's watching me say, you don't know my circumstance. I'm not saying that. I know there's homeless people here and all of that. They are very poor. They are very poor. Not all homeless are very poor, but they're poor. Western poor is not the same as West African poor. I have, I've seen poor. Like, um, Freya went to the Maasai and she saw, saw some poor. I'm not saying Maasai people are all poor. I'm not saying that. The one the Kenyans do come and kill me afterwards. I've got 10 minutes left. I want to use it wisely. Western poor is not the same. I'm just saying. So, you know, sometimes people, they, 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 sometimes people say, can the church help me out? Um, you know, because, um, you know, my Sky TV has broken down and we, the World Cup is coming and can you help us to pay for subscription? You're a loving, you're a loving church, so you should know how to help your member. <laughs> Western poor. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, giving to the poor is giving to the Lord. Now, I have to declare an interest in the next one I'm about to say. 
given to spiritual teachers. It's also given to the poor. Galatians 6, 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Given to spiritual teachers, like myself, I've declared an interest, is also how you give to God. Hallelujah. So you can see me after. No, 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 really, no. Hey, you're really, really, when I start saying that, you're like, hey, you're really like, you know, just saying. So especially if you go to another church, I mean, this church, they look after me very well, but especially if you go to another church, you know, make sure that you also honor the men and women of God that have given themselves full time. Now, it, does, it doesn't just mean your pastor. It means anybody who does the work of God full time and who is a blessing into your life. Those people, when you give to them because of the work they do in your life, the Bible says you are sowing, you are giving to God. And also giving to God's house. Like we read in Haggai chapter 9, chapter 1, verses 9 to 11, is how we give to God. So it's the difference between how you give to God and how you help people in general and how you use your um, finances wisely as well. And then we honor God by not just giving to him, but by giving to him in the right spirit, with the right attitude. Now, I don't know about you, but when I started tithing and things like that, I, I didn't actually like it. I didn't. I thought, oh, this is a bit, I actually thought it's a bit of a scam. How convenient. Look how quiet you are. You're very quiet. They're very quiet right now as I'm talking this bit. I thought, remember my pastor saying, you must pay your tithe. He was an Irish man. I've taken his structure. You, you must pay your tithe. And I thought, what is that? As a new Christian, what is that? And, and then someone said, oh, it's 10% of your income. I said, what? 10%? At the time, I think I was earning 50 pounds a week. Hey, five pounds. That's a, that's a lot of money. Giving in the right spirit is important. Then I started to learn about how you give to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So there are three things I want to point out in this verse. When we are given to God with the right spirit, number one, it must be intentional. It must be intentional. We decide to give, not somebody telling us, you must give, you must give. No, no, we decide. So you can decide to give 1%, 2%, 3%, 4%, 10%, 50%. You can decide to give one-off. You can decide to give every day. It's up to you. It's between you and God. But you do it intentionally. You decide. And if you are married, it's good husband and wife to decide together. You know, wait, how much should we give? Husband said, we'll give 2%. Wife said, oh, we should give 20%. Husband said, huh, let's give 8%. Wife said, no, let's give 12%. No, 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 no. Okay, you know what? The man keeps saying, tie, tie, tie. 10% final. I'm the head of this house, 10%. Intentionally. Secondly, we must give willingly. Willingly. We want to do it. We want to do it. Don't give to any man of God. I certainly don't want you to give to me if you don't want to give. 
or give to Enoch if you don't want to give. I don't want it. it I, will, I will feel sick. I'll be totally frank with you. I don't want that. No man of God, well, some, some men of God, actually, they don't care whether you wanted to or not. They're just glad you gave it. But generally speaking, we don't want, in fact, for me, when I was going into ministry, one of the things that I didn't want was to be paid by the church. So God had to speak to me, and I had to be willing to be paid. So a lot of pastors are like that. They don't want, actually, to be paid by the church. So what I'm saying is, if you are given to men of God or to your church, do it because you want to. And you're doing it to God, not to them. They are a vehicle through which you give to God. And thirdly, you give extravagantly. He says, let, let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful is hilarious, outrageous. So you intentionally, willingly give outrageously. Not you try and hold back as much. And by the way, this is how you give, not just of your wealth, but of everything when it comes to how you honor God. This is how you give to God. So if how you are serving on the sound team is intentional, it's willing, and it's extravagant, God will bless your life. But if it's, oh, what, what time do we have to be here? What? No, I, I, can't, I can't be coming at that time. It's an ungodly hour. I only do that for work. I, at church as well, I don't do that for church. I don't do that for church at all. I will be coming at 10.30. You said I should come at 9.30. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. Church is going to be a place where you're forced to be coming and do things. What time? You said I have to be in the worship team. What time do I have to be here? 9.30. Ooh. My, my throat, my throat <laughs> cannot handle that. I need to exercise my throat. Ah. Sometimes I hear Aisha doing a ho 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 sounds, and I and I join her. So she's go ho 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 ho, and I say hey 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 hey. I can't be I can't be coming at nine thirty. I have to do my exercises. What are you talking? You know they say about helping with moving things and stuff. No 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 no. Refresh is not a time for moving anything. Refresh. I come. I get refreshed, and then I and then I go. That's, that's what I do. Refresh. This coming and moving things. I don't want to lose the anointing. After refresh, I can't be, I can't be doing that. Are you still here? Mm-hmm. What, what, um, you give intentionally, you give willingly, you give extravagantly. So we say, you know, if you are in leadership, you know, you have to be at this meeting at this time. Eh? What meeting? Again, after church Sunday? No, this is Fridays. Friday. No, 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 no. Friday. Friday's me and God and my wife and my children time. That is Friday. Just because I'm a cell leader doesn't mean you can dictate how my life should be going. I don't do that on Fridays. But God knows I love him very much. And I love the work of God. And that's for you, CLF. I love you. You've been so good to me. But on Fridays, don't come near Fridays. If we all had that attitude, where would we be? No, so whatever it is that you're doing for God, it must be intentional. It must be willingly. And it must be extravagant. That is how you give to God. God is not looking at the amount. God doesn't, look, if you, in fact, if you really, if you really look at the widow's might, 
then you could say that in one sense, God is looking at the amount. Because the widow's might, as far as the amount was concerned, it was less than a penny. But it was her all. So if you say you're giving to God the widow's might, then clear your bank account. Clear all your houses. Give it all away. That's the widow's might. Say to your neighbor, I am believing one day I'll be able to give. Let's just move on quickly. So the widow's might is the most dangerous way of giving. Because after you give it, you're poor. <laughs> no, there is no investment to go back to. Everything is emptied. All the shares, all the, all the portfolios, everything ran. God is all yours. Re. You have no access. Again, that's the widow's might. I have never given a widow's might in my entire Christian life. It's a very dangerous way of giving. So those of you who claim I'm believing to give the widow's mind, start now and see how it feels. Yeah. Are you still here? So I'm going to conclude on that and I will, I'm going to end on that and I will conclude the next time I teach. Let's pray. I want you to just uh, feel free to stand and consecrate your heart to the Lord if you are wanting to give to him this way. It's not the amounts we're looking at. Giving to him intentionally. Giving to him willingly. Giving to him extravagantly. Whether it's your time, whether it's your money, whether it's your influence, whether it's your resource, that's how you want to give to him. Please don't stand unless that's how you want to give to him. As you stand, raise your hands to him. And those of you online, dedicate your heart to him. As you raise your hands, if you can, we're just going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for the impact of your spirit upon our lives. I thank you for the grace to give to you this way. Intentionally, willingly, extravagantly. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor Joe. And on that note.